Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Luke chapter 12, verse 51. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This is a really surprising thing for Jesus to say, right? Does it, did it surprise any of you to hear it again this morning? I mean, think of all the other times we've heard either things spoken about Jesus regarding peace or things he says elsewhere that seem to come into contradiction with this. I mean, when Jesus' birth is announced, the angels don't say, division among men, right? <laughs> they say, peace among men. When Jesus is about to ascend to the cross, he says, my peace, I leave with you. And when he comes back after being raised from the dead, he says, peace to you. So we know that Jesus is about peace, but here in Luke chapter 12, he says, I'm not going to bring peace on earth, but division. What are we to make of uh, these seemingly opposing statements? I think the key to understanding it is to understand rightly what he means here by that phrase, on earth. Do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? And to think about that is um, that he is not promising an earthly peace. He's not promising peace to our flesh, which is made from earth. This is, there was a great English interpreter of the Bible in the 700s named St. Bede, the Venerable Bede. And he pointed out in Genesis chapter 2, our flesh is made from the earth. And he says maybe one of the things Jesus is teaching here in a sort of cryptic way is he didn't come to bring peace to our flesh, right? to our, the part of us which would drag us away from God, our, our, the part of ourselves that is inclined to sin. I think Jesus is also saying that he hasn't come to bring peace between Christians and the world. So these are things I'm going to unpack uh, this morning. Variously how Jesus comes to bring division into ourselves. Uh, that needs a bit of explaining. And also how he brings division between the church and the world. The um, I think it, I, I had a note here to say that I want to sort of inculcate as a principle that when we encounter something in Scripture that's surprising to us, and we think, that doesn't sound like Jesus, to remember that the Bible is what tells us what Jesus should sound like. And that so often, that the reason that the church long ago said, let's read the gospel all the time in church, is so that the real Jesus, the image of the real Christ, as described in the gospels, would constantly be augmenting our mental picture of him because we're always inclined to think about Jesus how we'd like him to be and hearing the real gospel constantly is sort of sanding off and sculpting and correcting that impression in our minds and in our hearts so that our belief and Jesus are, are really lined up together so we take Jesus at his word here he says he's come to bring division um, I want to add to that division it's chiefly a negative word but it can have a positive context, and I think there's shades of that in this difficult passage as well. That um, Jesus is, the word is described in, in Jeremiah as a refining fire, and that in the same way that dross is divided off from gold, right? a division is made for the good of the gold. Right? You divide out of ore what is worth keeping and what is the scrap. And I think sometimes in the same way it says in Hebrews, the word of God comes to, 
is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing between um, flesh and, I'm forgetting the exact quotation, flesh and something. Flesh and bone, we'll go with that. Um, the, the work of Jesus dividing uh, can actually be useful. When, when Jesus divides off from the great mass of mankind who formerly had been children of the devil, as Jesus calls all of us, and he divides off a portion for himself, the church, that division is useful for us and life-giving. It's not a bad thing. Also notice that um, Jesus' words here have already received some fulfillment in the past. It's very cryptic. This Why does Jesus go into these details of father and son against father and mother against daughter? One of the ways that I'd offer this teaching of Jesus can be understood is that we've seen these words fulfilled in Jesus' own moment. He came as a Jew to save first the Jews, and very, very early on, the Christian Jews got kicked out of the synagogue. The mother turned against the daughter. Right? There was this sort of rejection that the, the Jewish people who were meant to contain and hold and delight in the gospel rejected those who were carrying the gospel. So I think we've seen fulfillment of this division that Jesus' presence has caused, uh, even in history. It's happened in the past. Jesus has caused this division. He's brought this division. Um, and it remains true in the present. Um, I want to unpack further what I said before, that his division comes to ourselves and into our communities. So to ourselves, in that purifying sense, Jesus does desire, paradoxically, to divide us to make us whole, to actually cut through the part of us that is hypocritical and sinful and shallow and false, so that we would be true and earnest and, and good as he makes us good by his Holy Spirit. He actually desires to divide us. That This is sort of one of the great differences between some of the false gospels of our moment in history right now and the real gospel, is the false gospel wants to be one of just blanket affirmation. Everything about you is totally fine. That's not Jesus' gospel. And as you know Jesus, you won't say that about your own life. Right? You won't just look at your whole life and like, thumbs up to this. No, you'd say, like Christ sees me, I am infinitely beloved by him. He has made me to be good by the power of his spirit. But there's also a lot in here that I don't like. I need transformation from the inside, not just affirmation. Right? That, when we see ourselves that way, we are joining in Jesus' division of saying, yeah, who I am, who God has made me is good. And he longs to be with me forever. That's what he demonstrated permanently. And there's part of this that needs dividing, that needs dividing off. I want actually to have, the, if you have a tumor, you want to get it cut off. I know some of you guys have to get the, two, the skin things burned off sometimes from the doctor, right? You want that divided off of your body so your body can stay whole. I wasn't trying to look at you, Scott, on that one. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, the presence of Christ will necessarily cause us to see ourselves as being divided in this way. And I want to say what's true for ourselves is true at our communities as well. Um, and I, I don't mean the community of the church. Um, Jesus, when the, when the church is following Christ rightly, when Christ is truly present in his church, we are united. It's when we fall into our old fleshly ways that the church starts to break up and divide. 
The church is to be united. That's Jesus' prayer right before he dies, that we'd all be one. The division that I think Jesus is talking about, the division that he brings, Matthew's gospel records Jesus as saying, I came to bring a sword, um, is between the church and the world. And that's in our communities, big or small. I think sometimes immediate families. What we see in church history, and I think even some of your stories, is that sometimes choosing to be a disciple of Jesus means you have to go against the grain of your family. And that's really painful. Would that it wasn't that way. I wish every family were full earnest disciples of Jesus and they never came in conflict. But sometimes they do. And if they do, it's incumbent on anyone to whom Christ is truly present to stay loyal to Christ. Now, thankfully, and now I'm speaking to you kids, um, the commandment to honor father and mother always stands. (laughs) So don't misinterpret me on this one. You who have godly parents are ordered by God to honor your parents and obey them. So, that, parents, be clear, I was clear about that. <laughs> but should it be the case, tragically, when for family to oppose the calling and commands of God, it's incumbent to say, no, I honor God first. To choose family, even above the closest loyalty, to choose God above even the closest loyalty. What's true for the family is then true at every level of interaction in the world. Um, Specifically, thinking about our political alliance and our national alliance, even, even patriotism itself. That when we look at church history, the state has as often been a friend of Christianity as it's been a foe. Right? And when the state is friendly, great, thanks be to God for that support and that liberty. But when the demands or the trends within a culture within a state start to go against Christianity, well, then there's going to be division. There's going to be a line in the sand. And ultimately, in ways big and small, uh, there are often tests of, do I stand with Christ? Or will I just go with my natural family, the natural state I was born into? Those to whom Christ is truly present will find themselves sometimes in a place of division. And the Father will scorn the Son. It wouldn't surprise me if in my lifetime, Christians are called profoundly unpatriotic for one reason or another. Not that we're supposed to be, but when the state starts saying, this is how you be a good citizen, and it doesn't line up with what Christ calls us to, we say, I'm sorry, I choose Christ. And you can punish me as you will, but I choose Christ. It's what we see sort of in blazing clarity with the faithfulness of Christians in countries where Christianity is presently persecuted. To say, I don't care what Sharia law says. I honor Christ. Fathers will turn against sons. Sons will turn against fathers because of a Christian's loyalty to Jesus Christ. It is a good thing, actually, to be divided away from a wicked age. And I think that um, because, for most of you, especially in the earlier portion of your lifetime, because the state was very friendly to the church, there, these things weren't as in clear conflict. And so there was a, the church in our moment now is familiar with you know, church and my political support of our nation and my patriotism and my Christianity. They're not at odds. And when they are not at odds, great. And when they are, to, to be aware of that, that we can't always bank on that, that sometimes there might be no earthly peace. Christians might be divided off. And if we accept that, we actually open the floodgates to spiritual peace, the kind of peace that Jesus is bringing us, 
which is a peace indifferent to circumstance. If the culture thumbs up my Christianity, fine. If the culture thumbs down my Christianity, fine. That's okay. Right? Christ said division will come. He actually has come to bring division in this way when it happens. So I think these are um, deep, um, somewhat mysterious words that Jesus speaks to us this morning. And so I, I've intentionally remained pretty abstract. But I'd encourage you to allow these words of Jesus to keep ringing in your ears and think through how might this apply in your perception of yourself and in the community as you perceive it at large. Do you think that I have come, this is Jesus speaking, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Amen.